Hello besties, welcome back to another episode of Life Gets Weird with me, Mary Stephen, the host of this podcast. We're just going to dive straight into it and talk about the most important international holiday that just happened, the 2023 Academy Awards. Listen guys, you know that I am such a film buff and honestly, the Academy, they have a history of... um not serving. Let's just say that. Um, they consistently ignore women in horror. They consistently just hand it out to white old men. But this year, I really enjoyed the Oscars. I really enjoyed them. And I have some things to say. So let's talk about the winners and the snubs, because there weren't that many snubs in my opinion. But we'll start with winners because we want to start on a high note. So Brendan Fraser won for best actor in his performance in The Whale. And honestly, this is my history with The Whale. This is my relationship with The Whale. I was so excited for this film to come out because Brendan Fraser got his, what, seven minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival and it was the Renaissance and he was coming back and it was this massive deal. And I was so excited. I was like, people at the Venice Film Festival are not just going to give a seven minute standing ovation for absolutely nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was so hyped for this. And then the film came out in America before it came out in the UK, as most films do. And I read a review in the Times saying that it was fucking awful, basically. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I had such high expectations for this. There is no way this film is bad. And then, because my dad also read the review, he was like, I don't want to go see it. And I was like, no, believe me, dad, this film is going to be good, okay? Like, I have to believe that I wasn't wrong about this. So we went to see it. And I went in with the lowest of expectations now. I went from the highest of expectations to the lowest of expectations. And oh my good God, I bawled my eyes out in that cinema. I love that film so much. I think it is such a unique film. And I think people are choosing to focus on the wrong parts of it. Like, to me, that film was a film about religious trauma and a film about how abandonment looks different on every party involved and how we can lose ourselves in different ways and what it means to not take care of yourself is not always the most obvious thing like that film had so many underlying meanings and it dealt with them all so so well and I cried like I literally cried my eyes out I thought it was beautiful I think Sadie Sink gave such an amazing performance too and then when Brendan Fraser won I went onto Twitter and so many people hated the film. And I just genuinely had no idea. I was like, I thought we all loved it. And I think that is part of the magic of film. Like, you can all watch the same thing, but you also all watch something completely different. But Brendan Fraser winning for The Whale did seem to go over very well with a lot of people. But I think a lot of people thought that it was more an ode to his previous work and like something that he deserved anyway despite their hate of the film The Whale and I don't think that's true I genuinely do think Brendan Fraser gave a performance of a lifetime in The Whale and I think he deserved recognition for that role absolutely but one person who I do think was given an Oscar as an ode to their previous performances was definitely Jamie Lee Curtis and I just cannot believe that in a cast of predominantly Asian actors where the storyline is about the dynamics in an Asian family, the Academy thought, yes, let's fucking give the Oscar to the tax lady in the film. She did nothing. Guys, like, I'm not even being a hater. Like, I could have played that role and I haven't taken an acting class in, what, seven years. Like, it just, it just infuriates me because 
I don't think she was deserving of that award. I'm not saying she hasn't done anything great in her life. I don't know. Maybe she was great in the Activia adverts. But everything everywhere all at once, that was not her award to take. And I just got really bummed because she snubbed that straight out of Stephanie and Angela's hands. And I mean, I've seen all this talk online about how like Angela Bassett should have pretended to be happy. And no, I would be fucking pissed too. Like, what? I'd be so mad. And it comes down to like, women are constantly told to smile more and, you know, pretend to be happy and all these things. Let people feel their pain especially in a industry that's so like oversaturated with white stories to give it to Jamie Lee Curtis when there were many stories that weren't about white people and she actually didn't serve the way the Academy made it out to seem kind of kind of bumming you know like very annoying but Michelle Yeoh did win best actress and yeah truly guys like there was a moment in time that I thought she's not going to win it. Not because I didn't think she was incredible. I knew in my heart of hearts that she deserved that award. But like I said, the Academy cannot be trusted. And so for a moment, I was like, ah, shit. Like, what is going to happen? Like, I really, really, really want Michelle Yeoh to win. And she did. And I have nothing else to say about that. I am so fucking happy. She deserved it so much. And her speech was gorgeous and it was oh my god it's just like the epitome of why representation matters and it was it was lovely I loved it so much and then of course everything everywhere all at once won best picture which like yay like oh god guys I loved that film so much if you haven't seen it please go and see it do not listen to the fucking idiots online who are like it's so overrated it's just a film about taxes no no, it's a glorious film. It's going to go down in history as one of the greats. It was amazing. I will say though, and this is where I may be controversial, I am so happy that Tar did not win a single award, okay? I watched Tar and it was fine. Like the film was fine, but I have this thing about these cinematic performances and these films that are basically a cinephile's wet dream. You can do all the artsy-fartsy stuff, but bring the fucking source with the movie itself. This is how I feel about Sofia Coppola's films. They just look pretty. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's not any substance to them. And with Tar, I felt that there were way too many storylines going on in that film, and none of them were wrapped up. None of them were answered. And that's not to say that films aren't allowed to be open-ended because of course one of my favorite films of last year after sun is an extremely open-ended film but tar just felt like they were doing things for the sake of doing it and i'm in two minds about it not winning an academy award because i think on the one hand if you've watched tar you'll understand what i mean when i say this but i think if the academy had acknowledged it as a good film it would have meant that the academy would have had to look back into themselves and realize that they too are lydia tars they are people in power who abuse their power and not all of them but like a lot of people in high up positions end up being people like lydia tar and i think for the academy to praise this film would mean that they have to do a lot of soul-searching, which I don't think people in Hollywood are willing to do. But also, I just don't think it was that great of a film. Sue me. I did not love it. You know, I... Yeah. It, it, was, a, it was a film. As Harry Styles once said, the thing I like about the movie is that it felt like a movie. I just... It wasn't really doing it for me. And so, I was kind of pleased 
that it didn't have the sweep like the Oscars that people predicted. I know that a lot of people wanted Top Gun to win. Honestly, I don't really care for Top Gun. I still haven't seen it. But maybe I'll see it and maybe I'll change my mind. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's my Oscar 2023 opinion. That's my opinion! Anyway, let's talk about Paul Meskel. I feel so lucky to be living in the timeline where Paul Meskel is making history. And I know that most of Gen Z online are thirsting over this man. Rightfully so. He is a very attractive Irish man. You know, like, <laughs> we need him. What can I say? But I truly think he's making history. I think he is starting the beginning of his career on such an amazing high. And I don't see it ending anytime soon. I think he is very unique in his acting. Um, he plays these roles that are so profound and they they really change the conversation we have about men and emotion and I think that's really special because art is something that we are all exposed to and so when you can create these conversations that have wider implications on society I think you're doing a really good job and when you can nail them as well as Paul Meskel has then take the fucking Academy Award and run, do you know what I mean? Like, I I know this man will be an Oscar winner in his lifetime. And seeing him at the Oscars on the weekend, obviously I wasn't there, but, like, on the TV, I was like, this is the beginning of a lot for him. And I feel very fortunate to be alive in a timeline that lets me experience that. The red carpet. Let's talk about it, because the Azempic was out. And this is a slight tangent, but I do want to speak about Azempic and, like, how the conversations surrounding it are actually fucking soul-destroying. Because, I mean, I knew about Azempic for a while before, like, the New York Times article came out and all these things. But I remember being in LA and there was an ad on TV for Ozempic. And I was like, that's so bizarre. And this is coming from a British person. Like, we just don't have medical adverts like that in the UK. That isn't really a thing. And so, yeah, I remember seeing this ad for Ozempic in my hotel room. And I was like, what the actual fuck is going on here? Because I already knew that the vast majority of people using Ozempic weren't using it for diabetes. They were using it for weight loss. And I think now it's become this catalyst in a time where we're seeing people change their bodies back to a really scary time. You know, I think we have made a lot of progress in society with who we choose to represent specific things. And, you know, when I was a kid, plus size models didn't exist. Like, that wasn't a title. Plus size people exist. But plus-size models didn't exist. That, that just wasn't what we saw on billboards and TVs. And, of course, the progress still needs to be made because fat phobia still exists and, you know, people are treated differently if they're over a certain size. So, of course, we haven't eradicated all of the problems. But we were making the steps. And so to have people like the Kardashians and every other Azempic lover under the sun not really address these things, but allow the rumours to spiral out of control, instills me with a lot of fear that we are going backwards in society in terms of the progress we've made with body neutrality and body positivity, because whether we like it or not, those in power and those who we see on our TV screens have an impact on how we see ourselves. And to see 
such a vast group of people just drop weight miraculously and not address it, but allow the New York Times and, I don't know, just all the other online publications speak about Ozempic as if it's this immediate weight loss cure and something that you need to do to fix your body. It's so fucked up. Like, so fucking fucked up. And Ozempic, again, is not something that is accessible to everyone unless you have money. You can get, like, private prescriptions, but you need money for that. And if you don't have money and you go to your doctor and ask for an Ozempic prescription, like in the UK, for example, they're going to be like, but you don't have diabetes. <laughs> it's really that simple. And so, yeah, I I don't know. There were a lot of people on that red carpet where I was just like, oh, you too? Really? Oh, God, we are really going back in time. But let's not dwell on that. That's just something that I wanted to mention because... Ozempic is all over news feeds and Instagram and everything right now. And I I feel like I wanted to share my two cents on why I think that is one of the worst things that we've done this decade. But back to the red carpet, Emma Chamberlain came out, of course. I truly think she is in her Olsen twin era. Like, she is saying, fuck social media. She is doing her own thing. Like, she got into baking, she's got her boyfriend, and she's really changing up her fashion sense, changing her hair, getting her tattoos, and I love that for her. Like, I've been watching Emma Chamberlain quite literally since she started YouTube, and I feel like she's, for a while, wanted to have this kind of, I don't want to say hermit lifestyle, because that's not fair, but you know what I mean? Like, she's kind of given off the vibe for a while now that she wants her own privacy and she just like kind of wants to move to a small town and like live on a farm and I don't know she just gives me that vibe and so I'm really happy for her like I truly feel like that's my little sister <laughs> you know like I'm really proud of her and she's just doing the damn thing and like her and role model had their hard launch with GQ and she just seems like she's doing good and I think if you've grown up watching her in the way I have, you will feel a sense of pride before you feel a sense of loss. And I think the sense of loss comes from the fact that she doesn't post on YouTube as much as she used to, and she doesn't have TikTok anymore, blah, blah, blah. But as someone who's in this industry, like, I completely understand the burnout. And, like, I never really understood it before. And I was just like, well, why doesn't she just post another video? Like, why doesn't she just do that? And now I get, like, she's really been carrying YouTube on her back for, like, a decade. And with that, she's grown and changed and become an adult. And, yeah, I don't know. I just love this new era for her. I think it's amazing. Like, she's at the fucking Oscar Vanity Fair red carpet. Like, she's done the damn thing. Good for her. Megan Thee Stallion also made an appearance, which was amazing because she has had probably one of the worst couple of months someone can have. Um... And she came back and owned that red carpet. I also love that one of the interviewers was like, do you have tickets for Beyonce's Renaissance tour? And she was like, you know Beyonce's my auntie, right? Slay. Fucking slay. Like, that is, wow. When you can answer that, mm-hmm, made it, made it. <laughs> Daisy Edgar Jones had my favourite outfit on the Vanity Fair red carpet. I think she looked like a fucking dream. Like, she looked amazing. I was watching the red carpet with my friends, we watched the whole Oscars and then the red carpet was at like 6am and so we were watching that together and she walked out and I was like, oh my god, first of all, 
she's gonna be hanging out with Paul Mescal. But second of all, she looks fucking amazing. Um, and she did. I think she had the best outfit on the red carpet. And then the ladies of Daisy Jones and the Six, not to be confused with previously mentioned Daisy Edgar Jones, but Riley Coop. I don't know how to say her last name. Is it Riley Coop? Riley Co? Mm, I don't know. And Suki Waterhouse and Camilla Marone. Amazing. Amazing. They slayed. But since we are talking about them, let's talk about Daisy Jones and the Six, okay? Because Daisy Jones and the Six came out on Amazon Prime. And you guys know, I love Taylor Jenkins Reid. I love her. I think that woman cannot write a bad book. Like, Daisy Jones and the Six was an amazing book. And I remember reading it and being like, this is so unique and so refreshing because of the way it was laid out. But I was also kind of skeptical because I was like, why is it a script? Why am I reading a play right now? But it was amazing. But the sheer fact that the book is literally like a play mm, kind of pissed me off in the long run because... I'm not angry at Taylor Jenkins Reid for writing it that way. I think that's a really smart, creative decision. I'm angry at Amazon Prime for not just making them read the fucking book on the screen. Like, so many things have been changed about the show. This is not to say I don't love it. I gobble up those three episodes every Friday. But why change so much when you had the script? For example, Chuck. He was drafted and he died in the book. Why did he become a dentist in the show? Like, that just seems like such a weird thing to change. And you might think it's trivial, but I think it really does play into how we then perceive the band's friendship and perceive Chuck. Because in the show, he kind of seems like an ass. Not to say that you shouldn't put your dreams before everyone else, but the way he went about it was just like, oh. Whereas in the book, you feel a bit, I don't know, like you, you can't really hold any resentment to him. And yeah, in the show, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake, Chuck, like, what is going on? Also, the storyline change for Karen and Graham, I got, I gobbled up their relationship in the book, okay? Like, I thought they were such a serve. And there's that one line where Karen says, why have you never made a move on me? And Graham says, I don't take shots that I know I'll miss. And then she says, I don't think you'll miss this one. Whereas in the show, he kissed her and she was like, I think you're amazing. And he was like, it's never going to happen for us, is it? And I was like, what the fuck? There's, I don't care, like, artistic license aside, you did not need that moment. Like, they are soulmates. They are soulmates. You didn't have to put them through that just to give me the end game anyway, you know? So that was another change that kind of bummed me out. But I will say, I watched Daisy Jones and the Six and I put it on my Instagram story. And I had someone message me being like, spoiler! And I was like, the book has been out for five years. Like, this is not a spoiler. But then, upon reflection, I realised that in the book, and this is the beauty of the book being made into a show, is that the whole point of it is that the narrators are unreliable. And I really like that, because you see it from so many different perspectives. And obviously, let me not spoil this before someone thinks I'm being <laughs> the most spoilerful episode, but... When you find out who's interviewing them in the book, it makes sense why the stories that each of them told don't align. Because all of them have a different relationship to this person. And in the show, when Daisy and Billy kiss, which to me at least seemed like an inevitable thing, I was like, yeah, obviously, like he's a fucking cheater and she's in love with him, like obviously. But I can see why, if you read the book, you might not think that the cheating actually happened. But 
be fucking for real. Like, they are two grown adults, and welcome home, cheetah. Anyway, let's dive into the personal stuff now. So, if you follow me on TikTok, you've, you've known about my, like, relationship with dating, and, well, lack thereof, let's say. And I've just been thinking recently, like, does being single really make you brave? Like, I don't like that statement. Like, you're so brave being single. Oh my god, you're so brave being in the dating world, blah, blah, blah. Like, what is brave about it? Like, <laughs> I just think it's so dumb. But I think it has this, like, implication of, like, when someone says something to you in, like, a patronising tone. Like, oh my god, like, you're so brave. Like, I'm not a kid. Like, I know that I'm single. And I know that a lot of people my age aren't. But also there are a lot of people my age who are. I'm 24 for crying out loud. And sure, do I want to be in a relationship? Maybe, but I don't fucking know. And like, I've done the date thing. And I think that there is this like extreme pressure, especially with my age, that I should at least be looking for someone to be in a relationship with. And like my mom actually brought this up to me the other day. She was like, Mary, you really need a boyfriend. I was like, excuse me, Miss Ma'am, Miss Girl, let's talk about it. And then I realized by the time my mom was my age, she was married and had me. And <laughs> let's just say I have not met a single man in my life that I would even consider marrying. Um, and if I married the person I was seeing when I was 22, I would be fucking sad. Okay, I would be really fucking sad. I also think that there were two years of a pandemic and those two years were very pivotal for my 20s. It was like 21, 22, a tiny bit of 23, maybe. And like... I am never going to get those years back. And that also means I have like lost two years in the process of this dating thing that everybody expects me to do. And I just think it's different for everyone. I think there is such a big difference between being single and alone. And people, people often put the two together and they're like, well, if you're single, then you must be lonely. But as I always say, there's also a massive difference between being alone and being lonely. And I would say that I'm alone, but I'm definitely not lonely. And I enjoy being alone. Like, I'm a massive introvert. I, like, if I go out once, I need six months to recover. Like, I am such a big introvert that I truly love my own time. And it doesn't feel stressful when I'm alone. It doesn't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I like to recharge by myself. And so I'm not lonely because I know that if I wanted to go out, like, I have friends and I have people that I can speak to and if I wanted to go and get a hookup I could fucking get a hookup like I just don't think that the two should be put hand in hand together like that but I know that some people do and I mean it's just annoying at this point because I think when people start saying things like oh my god you're so brave for being single or, oh my god like you know wow like you're still single da, da, da. it kind of makes you as the single person compare yourself to everyone else in relationships and the mentality of thinking that being single then means that there's something wrong with you starts to arise from that. And someone can say it in the most harmless way, like not even think twice about it and just be like, oh my God, like being single is so hard. Da, da, da. But it then has these connotations of like, well, what about me is making this experience more difficult? And why can't I just be in a relationship? And like, why hasn't it worked out for me? Blah, blah, blah. And I think, like, personally, I genuinely have never been in a situation where, like, someone would be in a relationship with me. You know, like, I have never seen someone for that long or 
actually even met anyone who I'm like, I want to be in a relationship with them, you know? And I think that's absolutely fine because it's the exact same as friendships. Like, I didn't meet my best friend until I was 21. And then literally, uh, like, after 21, I started meeting so many more of the people that I now call my best friend. And if I had been, like, approached with the same mentality that people have for dating, and they were like, oh my god, like, you still don't have a best friend, like, oh my god, (laughs) so brave of you, I would have been like, I am the problem, like, I must have something wrong with me that makes me keep everyone at arm's length, and, like, no one wants to have any, like, deep, profound relationship with me, because it's me, like, I'm the problem, as Taylor Swift once said, but also, I feel like a part of me being single, and, like, being so proud of being single is because it it vocalizes the fact that I'm not willing to settle. I'm not willing to just fall into the easy option so I can have someone to cuddle at night. You know, I have seen a lot of people go in and out of relationships and they haven't necessarily been the best for them, but they like don't like the idea of being alone. And it's not my place to judge or say anything about that experience because I'm not a serial monogamist and like don't understand it but where's the same energy with that because I think that being single and being alone allows you to learn a lot more about yourself than you could in a relationship and I know that in a relationship you grow with each other and you learn from each other but there is such a beauty to discovering parts of yourself through yourself and like not having to realize these things on the basis of a romantic relationship and yeah I don't know like I'm just having fun I'm just having fun right now my vibe right now is just living life because like I said I'm 24 like the end of the world is not here well I mean it might be but I'd die happily single I don't really care about that but um I am speaking to this guy on Hinge, um, and (laughs) funny story actually, guys, um, I went to a Rufus DeSoul concert last year, and I had a bit too much to drink, you know me, they were selling bottles of wine, and in every single picture from that night, I have a different bottle of wine in my hands, so safe to say I was on the verge of a blackout, but we went to this concert, and normally when I go to concerts, like, I go for people that I really, really, really love and, like, want to be in a good spot, etc, etc. But Rufus Soul, like, honestly, had no idea who they were. I still don't even know if it's one person or a band. Um, but they, like, love to play their music at SoulCycle. And so everyone from SoulCycle was like, oh my god, like, let's go to Rufus Soul!" And I was like, oh my god, Slay, okay, oh, yay. So <laughs> we went, um, and there was, like, literally the whole fucking cohort of SoulCycle London at Gunnersbury Park. Um, and then I got way too drunk and, like, lost everyone I was with. And then, like, found someone I knew in the crowd. And then they were, like, with these guys. And I was like, hey, shawty, like, can I get on your shoulders? Because I can't see anything. Um, and then, yeah, we, like, had a little kissy kiss. And then I got on his shoulders. And, and then that was it. Like, I was like, I'm going home. Bye. I didn't go home. I went to the club, but I was like, to this guy, like, bye, like, you know, I actually, I don't even think I said bye, I think I just, like, completely disappeared, which is very on brand for me, but then, 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 
I was on Hinge, um, and he found me on Hinge, and absolutely berated me. He was just like, well, so one of my Hinge prompts is like, um, what is the soundtrack to your life? And I put Graceland 2 by Phoebe Bridges on a loop, and he was like, I'm surprised it's not Rufus DeSalle. Oh no, I'm surprised it's not jumping on people's shoulders at Rufus DeSalle. And I was like, oh my god, I have been sussed out. I am going into hiding. And then I was like, no Mary, fucking own it. I was like, the pictures from that night of me like homie hopping through the crowds on people's shoulders are fucking iconic, okay? Like, I am young. You are only young once. Like, I am living. I am making my life feel like a movie. I'm not going to be embarrassed about that. Um, anyway, yeah, he was talking to me on Hinge, and I, like, went and told everyone immediately, which I, I have to stop doing that, but I just think it's funny. I'm like, guys, who wants to hear the drama? Especially because most of my friends are in relationships. It's, like, fun to be like, here's my single stories. Um, but yeah, I'm talking to him on Hinge, but, like, doubt anything will come of that, because I don't know, like, as much as I always say I want to meet someone naturally and, like, meet them in person, um, I also do not want them to know everybody that I know, and, like, he was with the people I knew from Seoul, so I was like, yeah, absolutely not, but let's see what happens, let's see where this goes, let's see what the drama is, let's see what the tea is. But anyway, talking of concerts in Gunnersbury Park, your girl got tickets for Boy Genius! Honestly, I thought it would be, like, the hardest thing in the world. I had, I had, I had a pre-sale code, and I, like, never buy my tickets on pre-sale, um, purely because I, it just gives me way too much anxiety, I'm like, I don't understand, like, I'll just, I'll just deal with the general sale, but I had a code for the pre-sale, I was actually in Berlin, um, and I woke up still, like, horrifically drunk when the pre-sale was happening, and I was, like, trying to, like, <laughs> figure out what the time difference was. It's literally an hour, and I was like, wait, are we ahead? Are we behind? Like, what's going on? But then, yeah, I got my tickets for Boy Genius, um, and I am so fucking pumped to see them live. Um, I've never seen Lucy Dacus perform live, and, like, I think she has the voice of angels, and so I'm very, very excited for that. Also, Muna and Ethel Kane are supporting. So, a part of my soul is expecting to see Silk Chiffon performed. And if it isn't, I might end it all in Gunnersbury Park. So, look out for the body. Um, but yeah, I've been watching a lot of shit on my laptop. I got a new laptop, by the way, guys, which is why the podcast is back. Because my last laptop would not let me record a fucking podcast. Like, I've had that laptop since 2015. It said, babe, any more of your voice and I will explode. And I said, message heard. So, I got a new laptop. Um, I have been watching Shrinking on Apple TV, and I love it. I think it is phenomenal. I genuinely... <gasps> Wait, I've just realised, is Ted Lasso back today? No, okay. When is Ted Lasso back? Anyway, Apple TV has the good, the good shows right now. Um, wait, Ted Lasso is back today? No, today's Tuesday, Mary. Okay. Um, back to Shrinking. I've been watching Shrinking on Apple TV, and guys, you need to watch it. You need to watch it. It's so heartfelt. It's so funny. It's so good. Like, it's just the perfect comfort show, and I absolutely adore it. I think it's everything that has been missing from the TV show world recently, and it's basically about this group of therapists and their relationships with each other and their patients and their children and their families, and oh my god, I cannot rave about this show enough. Like, just watch Shrinking. It's amazing. I also recently, well, yesterday, just watched the newest episode of Grey's Anatomy. Thank God Meredith Grey is leaving. Like, finally! Finally! I've been waiting for this moment. 
So yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, other than that, I don't really know what else to say about that episode of Grey's Anatomy. Like it was fine. Um, but Grey's has kind of been in its flop era for a while now. So whatever. But I just want Amelia to have like her happy ending sometime soon. I don't know how long, how much longer I can watch her go through the torture of whatever the fuck that hospital does to people. Um, but yeah, those are the two. Sh oh, Abbott Elementary is also another show that I've been watching. Love, like comfort sitcom for sure. Love it a lot. Um, I know I said I've been watching a lot of shit and then I said three shows and actually can't remember anything else. I really want to get into Succession. I tried to watch it ages ago, like ages and ages ago when it was only one season and I just could not get into it. But I know now that they've announced season four as the final season. I'm like, oh, I should really, really watch Succession. And I was speaking to my friend about it the other day. She was like, no, you need to get into season two and then you'll love it. So we'll see. As for books, I have been reading a lot recently. I actually had someone text me the other day and be like, hey, like, just wanted to check that you're okay. You've not really been going out, but you've been reading a lot. And I was like, ah! yes, I prefer books to people. Okay, sue me. But I've read some really amazing books this year. So I started the year by reading Every Summer After by Carly Fortune and one of my favourite romance novels ever now. I also read the entire Twisted series. I will say the first two books aren't great, but the second two are mm, 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 delicious. Like, I was gobbling that shit up. Twisted Lies and Twisted Hates, the best two books in the series. Talking of series, I also read the Dreamland Billionaire series, probably my favourite series ever. The last book is the best, but so worth the read. Before We Were Strangers by Renee Carlino is... I would say, like, if you read Normal People and were kind of underwhelmed by it and expected a lot more from it, then read Before We Were Strangers, because it has a very summer vibe, but it's just so, so much better. And then I read The Words We Keep by Erin Stewart, and, like, I actually might start crying if I talk about this book again, but it's just, like, the most heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, like, beautiful depiction of mental illness and, like, how we suffer in different ways and that reaching out for help is never a mistake, but the help is a process. And yeah, I truly, truly love that book. And those are probably the best reads of the year thus far. This month has been kind of shitty for books. I started the Addicted series and like really do not enjoy it. But I'm going to give it one more go. I'm going to read one more book in that series. And if they, oh my God, I don't even know. Like if that book flops and I'm done, like I am fully fully done with the Addicted series, because it's 11 books, like, I'm not just gonna keep reading all 11 and be like, maybe next time, maybe next time, no. Three strikes and you're out, babe. And so, if this third book is awful, then goodbye. Also, Taylor Swift is going on tour next week, let's fucking talk about it, because where are the international tour dates, babe? They are yet to be announced, and it's scaring me, because I did not get tickets to the, is it New Jersey or Philadelphia? Whatever. I did not get tickets to the show on the East Coast where Taylor Swift is performing, obviously, and her support acts are Gracie Abrams and Phoebe Bridges. I did not get tickets for that. And I need the London date to replicate that. But I know it's going to be so hard to get tickets. Like, I might... Actually, I might not even try because I would rather not try and then not have them than try and end up crying my eyes out, you know? But I am seeing Harry Styles in June, so all is good in the world. All is good in the world. But yeah, I don't know. I'm back. I'm here. I have a new laptop. 
have no job. Should we talk about that? Hmm, I guess so. Um, I got made redundant. Um, I got made redundant at my last job and got into a bit of a TikTok drama with them because I still had my work laptop for a really long time. Well, I had it for three months, but I made a video about having it. Even though, guys, let me actually clear this up. I made that TikTok video knowing that the next day I was giving the laptop back and so many people in the comments were like, this is why you keep things to yourself. What the fuck would I have done with a laptop that doesn't work? Be so fucking serious right now. So yeah, I made a video like, I still have my work laptop and then they locked me out of it and I was like, oh, okay, not you guys on my dick like that. And then I got an email from someone who used to work there and they were like, just letting you know that like your TikToks are circulating in the office. So I was like, man, behavior. Um, but yeah, and then that was just like a whole thing. I had to go and take my laptop back. Um, but I don't know. I feel like people have been like, you should really be careful with what you post online. Guys, I actually went through hell at that job. So yeah, I'm really not worried about like how it makes anyone look. Cause also I think that like the truth will always prevail and like some shit happened at that job that I don't know. It just, I feel like you shouldn't go to a workplace and feel like that. And I know I'm not the only one who feels like that, but I am the only one who feels like that who has a platform and like who doesn't think before they post. So I guess in a way I understand where the skepticism is coming from, but like, I just know that at the end of the day, some of the shit that was said to me at that workplace or like some of the things that happened should never have happened. And I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend that they were great to me. Um, like, I don't know. I just think the minute that someone sits you down and says, well, why don't you identify as white is the moment I should have left that job. But here we are. Um, I'm really, really happy that I got made redundant because I am such a people pleaser. And I know that if they had offered me an extended contract, I would have said yes, despite the fact that I wanted to quit. So as much as I wanted to have my girl boss moment and be like, I'm out, I'm, I think it worked out in my favor because I'm still working on like not being able, no, I'm still working on being able to say no to people. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're in March. I haven't had a job since January. And is it scary? Yeah, sure. But I also keep reminding myself that like the reason I got that job last time was because I was doing TikTok and like I was in a moment of like giving up on myself and I was like, Mary, what the fuck? Like you've actually fucked up your entire life. Like you dropped out of uni and like you have no plan. And then I got that job and I was like, oh my God, slay. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm scared. Who isn't? That's what being an adult is <laughs> mainly about, I think. And like jumping into the unknown. But I'm also kind of convincing myself as well that the things that will happen to me will happen to me for a reason and they'll lead me to the places that I need to end up. And that just wasn't the place that I was meant to end up. And now I have the time to discover different parts of my life and different things I want to do. And I'm really embracing that. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like, I don't know. I feel like, especially after the Oscars, I'm like, you can do anything. Like you can do anything you want. And I think for a really long time I didn't believe that because I don't really come from a place of, like, I don't know. I don't come from a place of money and connections and that often seems like how people get to the places that they're in, like nepotism and stuff like that. And I just, like, don't, don't come from that life whatsoever. And so even the fact that I, like, make money from TikTok and, like, have a podcast and stuff like that is 
very crazy to me because it doesn't it doesn't usually happen to people with my history and you know not to sound like harry styles but it's true um like i've been through a lot of shit that would make someone second guess whether or not they were worthy of the life that i'm currently living and i do feel that every single day but i don't know i've kind of <laughs> i think after a while you realize that it's more than just luck it's hard work and it's the connection you build with people and I've had to pull myself out of a really dark place to be able to realize that but now we're on the process of accepting it and knowing that there are endless opportunities and I'm not running out of time because I'm literally not even in my mid-20s yet and I did feel like for a really long time that if I hadn't done anything by the time I was 21 then I had missed my mark, especially because I had this plan for myself. I was like, by 22, I'm out of uni. I'd be a paralegal. I'd be doing this. I'd be doing that. And that just didn't happen. I mean, there was a pandemic, but also I changed careers and like left school and realized a lot more about myself in those two years of lockdown than I did in the previous 21 years of my life. And that's scary changing everything you've ever grown to know and love is terrifying because in a way you've set up these like schemas and like preconceived notions in your brain of how things are meant to pan out and then I kind of threw myself into a world that I had no understanding of had no idea how social media worked didn't get any of it and like felt like I was going through a breakup with a lot of people in my life from leaving uni and also being incredibly depressed and finding it difficult to reach out for help and that then severed relationships but there was just like a lot going on and I felt like I'd thrown myself in the deep end by doing one of the bravest things I'd ever done which was posting online and I know that to some people that might seem like oh how is that one of the bravest things you've ever done but for someone who literally never spoke to anyone about anything they experienced in life and like never spoke about their feelings with their friends posting how I felt online was very brave and in the grand scheme of things it completely changed my life and so yeah it's it's a it's a wild roller coaster to go down and to to have the ability to dream is such a privilege and to know that there is even a chance that your dreams can come true is an even bigger privilege and I do honestly feel like this is one of the greatest honors of my life <laughs> like doing social media um, and like I said, I, I don't know if this shit lasts forever. I don't know if tomorrow I'll wake up and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. But today I'm here, I'm recording a podcast and I love it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to not stress about the future so much, even though every day I wake up and feel it creeping up on me. I'm like, Mary, it's so fine. Like I have spent the first three months of this year being like, oh my god, I'm 25 this year, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, but you're not 25 now, so, like, what are you doing focusing on that when you still have six months until your 25th birthday? Like, am I going to spend the entire 24th year of my life being like, I'm nearly 25 and wasting it that way? Or am I going to embrace being 24 and being who I am in this moment and doing the things I want to do whilst I have the time to do them? Yeah, the second option sounds great to me. So that's where I'm at, girly pops. Um, and we are back 
when the podcast I say that all the time so honestly if you don't believe me then that's so valid like that's so fucking valid <laughs> but yeah um thank you for listening if you listen the whole way through I love you girly pops see you